Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you have never been to church, walked away from church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. To learn more about Collective, you can follow us on social media at My Collective Church or head to www.mycollective.church. Now here's Sunday's message. This summer, Ray and I got to bring our girls to Cape May, New Jersey, for a vacation with Ray's family. It had been two years since we went to the beach, and the last time we went, our youngest daughter, Harper, was less than a year old, so we spent most of our time trying to make sure she didn't eat sand, which really wasn't easy at all. If we took our eyes off of her for one second, she would have two handfuls of sand clenched in her weird baby death grip hands, and we'd have to pry them open and then rinse them off. But this year, with our girls being six and almost three, we were pumped because we knew that we'd actually be able to enjoy the beach with them. And both of my girls are so, so different. Harper just turned three, and she literally doesn't care about anything. Like, she's a mood 24-7, and it's great. At the beach, if a wave came up and knocked her down, she would get right back up and keep playing. If anything, she actually made us nervous because of her fearlessness and general lack of understanding of how the ocean works. Elise, on the other hand, is a very cautious kid. She has a healthy fear of everything, including the water. And I resonate with her with that fear. So I don't personally like the ocean. It freaks me out. Uh, On my first day in Cape May, we spent the morning on a dolphin and whale tour where we tried to find animals that live in the ocean the same ocean we were swimming in. And everyone was so excited to see turtles and dolphins and schools of fish that sharks like to eat. And I kept thinking, this doesn't make sense. Like, why do we swim in something that has wildlife? It's like going on a safari and looking for lions and then deciding to play a soccer game in the same field you were looking for lions in, right? It's kind of dumb, but that's my soapbox about the ocean. No connection at all. I don't like it. So one morning we were at the beach and Elise was doing that thing where you take a few steps into the water and then back away when a wave comes. And so I asked her if she wanted to go in the ocean with me. And she told me that she wanted to, but she was afraid. So I picked her up and I promised her that I wouldn't put her down unless she said it was okay. So I carried her past the wave break and into a spot that was just a few feet deep and very calm. And I asked if she wanted to stand. But she wasn't having it. She said, it's too scary, it's too deep, let's go back. So I calmed her down and I told her that she would absolutely be able to stand if she put her feet down. But she was understandably nervous, right? The ocean is a very big, scary thing. When she finally let me put her down, her feet hit the sand beneath us, and she said, I can touch the bottom. The ocean isn't deep at all. Today we're in week two of our series called Home, where we're digging into the values of collective. And if you hadn't figured it out already because of the journals that are on the seats, we're talking about our value of own your growth. Own your growth means that we use our time, talents, abilities, and resources to become more like Jesus. And each word in this value was chosen very carefully. We want you to own, not be passive about, your, not somebody else's, growth, not inaction. Because the truth is your faith is your faith, So your growth is your growth. I've been in ministry for 12 years, and it doesn't matter what state I am in or what church I work at, I will always meet people who say, 
I just want to go deeper in my faith, or this isn't deep enough for me, or I just need more depth. And saying that is kind of like my six-year-old standing 10 feet from the shore staring at a vast ocean saying, the ocean isn't really that deep. Right? The ocean is as deep as you want it to be. You just have to be willing to go further and further from the shore. And faith is the same thing. Your faith will be as deep as you want it to be. Your relationship with Jesus will be as strong as you want it to be. Your growth will be as much as you want it to be. But you have to put in the work. And I love and hate this value at the same time. I love this value because it's not on me to give you a deep faith. It's really not. I can walk you into the ocean, but at some point you have to put your feet on the ground and go deeper yourself. But I also hate this value because it's not on me to give you a deep faith because I can't make you grow. If I could, I would, seriously. I would literally give everything I have short of my own family for you to take a next step in your faith. But it doesn't work that way. I can create space for you to grow. I can create space for you to learn. That's why Collective exists. But your faith is your faith, and you have to own your growth. Just like last week's value of you belong here, this comes from Jesus. Uh, this comes from one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's actually one of the few stories that I've shared multiple times at Collective. And, and per usual, Jesus is doing his thing. He's traveling. He's healing people. He's preaching. And then this is what happens in John 5. It says this, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holidays. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. When I was younger and I had just started reading my Bible, I'd read details like this and think, Sheepgate, Bethesda, five covered porches, who cares, right? The Bible would be so much shorter if the author didn't include boring stuff like this. But when I was in my first ministry job, I heard the pastor explain that these details matter because they are real cities and real places. So what John, the author, is doing is he's creating credibility. He's making sure people can fact check him. He's saying in a real city, Jerusalem, Jesus was at a real place, the Pool of Bethesda. And today, we can actually still validate many of the places that Jesus went because of the details, those boring details, the authors put into the Bible. Check this out. This is actually a picture of the Pool of Bethesda. And if you go to Israel today, you can go to that exact place, right? You can literally stand where all of what happened next went down. This is what it says as we continue. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Now, that kind of seems like a ridiculous question, doesn't it? Like we just read that Jesus knew that he had been ill for a long time. But I think Jesus' question makes sense because he wants to know if the guy actually wants to be well or if he has grown comfortable with the way that he's living. So let me ask you a similar question. Do you want to grow in your faith? Because that really is the baseline for today. If you don't want to become more like Jesus, then owning your growth doesn't make much sense. So do you want to grow, or are you comfortable with where you're at? Because choosing growth often means choosing discomfort, right? Growth uh, forces us to change the way we think, the way we act, the way we spend our time. And so you truly have to ask yourself, do I actually want to grow in my faith? And I think you do. 
In fact, I would say that I'm confident that you do because you're here. And I believe that you are here because you want your life to change somehow. You want your life to be better. And regardless of whether you follow Jesus or not, you being here says you want to grow in some way. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you three small ways that you can grow in your faith right now, where you can own your growth. And you'll see growth in your faith, but not just your faith, but also your relationships. You'll see growth in your peace of mind, the way that you see yourself, and so much more. So here's the first thing. You need to show up. You need to show up. And I know that sounds weird because you're all here this morning, but what about next week? What about the week after that? Because the truth is, some of you are wondering why you aren't growing spiritually or why your faith feels flat, but you're only here once a month. According to recent statistics, 65% of people who go to church go once a month or less, and only 5% of people go twice a month. So 70% of people only go to church 24 times a year or less. And I know that doesn't sound small, like that doesn't seem like a small amount, but let's think about this in collective terms because that's what makes the most sense to us. Our church services are one hour. That's it. So if you only go to church once a month, that's 12 hours a year. If you only show up twice a month, that's 24 hours a year. Both of those are less than 1% of your yearly time. Now, if someone told you that they wanted to get into better shape, but they're only going to spend 12 hours a year working out and eating healthy, what do you think the results would be? Right? If someone said they wanted a better marriage, but they're only willing to spend 24 hours a year on their marriage, what do you think would happen? If someone wanted to take control of their money instead of having their money control them, but they only spent one hour a month on their budget and focusing on their debt management, do you think they would ever find financial freedom? If someone wanted to be a better parent, but only gave one full day a year to their kids, what type of parent would that be? Right, you get what I'm saying, right? Spending 12 to 24 hours a year on anything that we think is important will not lead to growth. So why do we think the same is true when it comes to our spiritual life and church? Now, I know what some of you are thinking, right? Well, 12 hours or 24 hours is better than nothing, and you are absolutely correct. We would rather have people here once a month than not at all. But going back to the question I asked earlier, do you want to grow? Like, if you truly want to own your growth, if you truly want to grow in your faith, one of the easiest ways to do that is to show up, is to make church a priority, to set your Sundays around being in this community where you can worship and learn and grow. And I hate to say this, uh, but I need to. Collective online is not equivalent to being here. Collective online is great if you aren't feeling well and you need to stay home. If you are not feeling well, stay home, right? It's great if you're out of town for work and you want to stay connected. It's great for all of the people who have moved over the last year or 18 months and they're struggling to connect to another church so they can stay connected to a church that they love. It's great for people who want to check out Collective before showing up in person. But if you can be here, you need to be here. And I know that some people are going to watch this later on YouTube, or some of you are watching online, or even some of you are here right now, and you are still very uncomfortable because of COVID, and I get that. My friend who's a pastor said this to his church a few weeks ago, COVID is going to be around for a while, so it's something that we have to come to peace with. And so if you want to wear a hazmat suit to be comfortable here, wear a hazmat suit. We're not going to judge you for it. If you need to show up in one of these, okay, do it. <laughs> 
protected, also six feet, people get close to you, you just knock them down. I don't care. If you need to wear one of these to be here, you need to be here because we know that not being here is detrimental to your faith. Study after study over the past 18 months have shown that when you aren't in person in church, you do not grow spiritually, even if you watch online. Your Bible reading will decline, but then your mental health will decline, your joy will decline, your hope will decline when you are not here on Sunday mornings. And so while I understand the fears that COVID brings, I don't want us to ignore the spiritual, mental, and emotional impact of not being here. And so one of the ways you own your growth is by showing up. Here's the second thing. You need to take notes. Okay, so if you haven't already grabbed one of the journals, grab one of the journals. This is for you. Uh, The lights are up so I can actually see if you're doing it. I can also hear if you're doing it. So grab a journal, open it up, write your name on the inside. This is for you. We want you to take this home and bring this back each week so you can take notes. And if you are a note taker and you fill one up, you can head to Next Steps any Sunday and we'll have extra ones for you, okay? Because check this out. There are three main ways that people learn, visually, auditorily, and kinesthetically. And when you show up on Sunday and you just listen, your retention rate will be about 5%, which isn't great, right? That's if you're a parent, that's terrible. If you're a teacher, that's terrible. Really, if you're talking to anyone, 5% is not good. But if you show up and listen and then also read the slides that we put on the screen, your retention rate actually jumps to 20%. But if you hear it and see it and then write it down, your retention rate will jump over 50%. The same is true if you join one of our small groups that we call collectives. These are groups that meet every single week. We reread the scripture and we discuss it in a community. And we talk about how this challenged us or what stands out to us or what questions that we have. And people who do this will have a retention rate that is also over 50%. But here's a really cool thing about this. If you read your notes within the first 24 hours of writing them down, you are 70% more likely to remember them. In 1988, Dr. James Pennybaker did a study on trauma and shame. And his first thought were that some traumas carried more shame than others. But through research, he learned that the exact nature of someone's trauma was essentially irrelevant when it came to the amount of shame they felt. Instead, he learned that if you talked about your trauma with friends, family, or a support group, you were largely spared from adverse health effects. But if you stayed silent, you were much more likely to become physically ill. But Penny Baker realized that not everyone wants to talk about their trauma, right? Not every single person wants to talk about their life. So he wondered what would happen if people just wrote about it. And again, Penny Baker investigated. He had one group of people write for 15 minutes a day for four consecutive days. That's it, 15 minutes a day for four consecutive days about the most upsetting experiences in their lives. Then he had another group write for the same amount of time about inconsequential things. A year later, and with permission, Penny Baker got hold of everyone's medical records and found that those who had written about their trauma got much less sick than those who did not. 15 minutes a day for four consecutive days, that's it. He found that simply writing for just 15 minutes about emotional, about emotional life experiences had yielded major health benefits. But further research found that if people were to describe their emotional difficulties through music or dance or painting, they got no benefit. And here's why I share this. Writing things down is such a powerful exercise. It helps us remember, it helps us heal, and it helps us grow. So grab a journal and take notes. 
Write down the Bible verses we share and then go home and read them again. Use the journal to reflect on what we talk about here. How do you feel about what was said? How do you feel challenged? Use the journal to write down your prayer request or to simply share what is going on in your mind, in your heart, and how you see God moving in those areas. You need to take notes. You need to go old school and write them by hand and watch what happens in your spiritual, mental, and emotional health. They will all go up. Here's the third way to own your growth this week. You need to read your Bible. The number one predictor of spiritual growth is daily Bible reading. Over the past 20 years, the American Bible Society and LifeWay Research have explored what it takes to grow in our faith. And it doesn't matter who does the research, when they do the research, or how many people participate in the research. It always shows that when it comes to spiritual growth, nothing beats the Bible. It's not listening to sermons. It's not how much money you give. It's not whether or not you serve. It's not whether or not you tend a small group during the week. Now, all of those things will help your growth, but the number one way to grow is by reading scripture. Now, with that being true, I'm sure some of you are thinking, so what does that mean for the first two takeaways of being here and taking notes? And that's a great question. By being here and taking notes, you will find it easier to read your Bible. You will gain confidence in your ability to open it up and read because you'll begin to connect what you're reading at home and what you're writing about in your journal to what we are talking about here. And I know that this can be intimidating. There are still times when I read my Bible, especially the Old Testament, and I have to reach out to people who are smarter than me because I have no idea what is going on. But here's the good news. You don't have to start in the Old Testament. Right? You don't read this like you would a regular book and start at the beginning. If you want to start reading your Bible this week, the best place to do so is the beginning of the New Testament with the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you can read just one chapter a day. It'll take about 15 minutes. And if you're like me and you know that you will struggle to remember to do that every day, here's what you can do. This is what I do every single day. This is how I make sure I read my Bible. I download the YouVersion Bible app, and at the very bottom, you'll see the word plans. Click on that. And then you can search for different plans. The one that I just got done reading is Bible Project Gospels. It will take you through a chapter a day for 90 days. Now that I'm through that, I jumped over to Bible Project, Paul's Letters. That will take you about 60 days. And while you are reading that, take notes. Write down what questions you have. Share what, how what you are reading makes you feel. Write down what you learn about Jesus and his church and how that connects to you. So you need to be here you need to take notes, and you need to read your Bible. And of course, there are tons of other ways that you can grow in your faith. You can serve on Sunday mornings. You can join one of our weekly small groups. You can set aside time every single day to pray, or you can worship. Uh, you can start giving. You can go to another country and serve on a mission trip. But the three things that I know that our church needs to hear right now is show up, take notes, and read your Bible. And I challenge you to start with those three things and see what happens. Okay, let's get back to the story we started earlier because the man actually responds in a way that you might not expect. So Jesus says to the man, do you want to be well? And he says, I can't. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. He says, I can't, I can't. Instead of answering Jesus's question, he gives all of the reasons why he can't be well. I don't have anyone to help me. Someone else always gets there first. But here's the truth. As I was sharing the three ways you can grow this week, I bet some of you were thinking about the reasons why you can't. 
right? The truth is you were thinking the same things. You're thinking, I can't be here every Sunday because of COVID. I can't be here because I work late on Saturday nights, or I can't take notes because I don't know what to write, or I can't read my Bible more because I don't know where to start, or I don't have the time. I can't. And we judge this guy, but we are just like him. I mean, I know that I am just like him because it's easier for me to sit on my mat and make excuses. It's easier not to try because if we try, we might fail. It's easier for us to find reasons why we're in the position we're in, why we can't grow in our faith or why we can't be well. If there's one next step at Collective that this happens the most with, it's not giving, it's not serving on the team, it's baptism. Uh, Over the past four years, I've heard so many reasons why people won't take this next step of faith. Things like, I've been following Jesus for years, and I'm worried about what people would think if I got baptized now. Or I understand that Jesus was baptized and he commands us to do it, but I don't really feel like it's something that I need to do. Or I was sprinkled as a baby because that's what my parents wanted, and now I don't want to upset them. Or I'm uncomfortable with attention, or I want to get rid of my sin fully before I do that, or I don't feel like I'm worthy of forgiveness, or other people might judge me because I've screwed up a lot of things in my life, or I might get out of the tub and screw things up again. But the thing that this guy is misunderstanding is that Jesus isn't asking him why he hasn't been made well. He's just asking him if he wants to be well. Now, let me say that again. The thing that we are misunderstanding is that Jesus isn't asking us why we haven't been made well. He's asking us if we want to be made well. So let's go back to the question I asked when we first started today. Do you want to grow? Do you want to experience the endless second chances that Jesus offers? Do you want to have a healthier marriage? Do you want to have better relationships? Do you want to have more hope and peace? Do you want to see yourself the way that God sees you? Do you want to grow? I'm not asking what has stopped us in the past or what we think will stop us in the future. Right Today, right now, do you want to become more like Jesus? And if you do, you own your growth. And I understand all the fear and anxiety and even apathy that goes into taking next steps. But the truth is you can do it, right? You can. God calls his people more than conquerors. He calls his people strong. He calls his people courageous. He calls his people capable. If you want to grow in your faith, you can do it. You really can. So Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. So if you want to grow in your faith, you just have to get up and start walking. It starts with choosing to stop watching online and showing up in person. It starts with deciding next week to come back. It starts with picking up a pen and taking notes. It starts with waking up 15 minutes earlier to journal or to read your Bible. It starts with choosing a Bible plan that you know you can go slow with. It starts with getting out of your own head and getting baptized. It starts with checking a next steps box or talking to someone at next steps. Owning your growth starts by walking out of this auditorium today and choosing to take one small step forward in your faith because you can do it. And Collective will be right here to help you to create opportunities for you to take next steps, to cheer you on, to answer questions that you have, to pick you up when you fail. Now, there's one more thing from this story that I want to point out, and then we'll be done. The man doesn't see what Jesus is capable of doing until he stands up. He has no idea that Jesus is the Son of God and that he and only he can heal him. And if he continues to sit on his mat, he will never witness that. He will never experience his grace. 
He will never experience the life that he has for him. And the same is true for us. We will never know what God is capable of doing in our lives if we keep sitting on our mat and making excuses. You will never see what God can do in your faith if you don't stand up. You will never see what God can do in your marriage if you don't stand up. You will never see what God can do in your family if you don't stand up. We will never see what God can do with our shame that we carry if we don't stand up and let Jesus do what only Jesus can do, what he came to do, to restore us, to redeem us, and to give us life. Let's pray. God, I... um, God, ultimately, I pray this week that, that every single person here owns their growth. God, that we all can take one step forward in our faith, to take a risk, to try something new, um, to create more time, more margin. Really, God, to give us opportunities to become more like you. And, and we're thankful uh, somewhat that we get to own our growth and it's not on someone else. Because, um, God, that means that we're in control of this and it's between us and you and no one else. And God, we know that that's good, even though sometimes we just kind of want to sit on our mat and make excuses that no one else is there to push us forward. So God, I pray that every single person here takes one small step forward this week. God, I pray that Collective can continue to be a church uh, where people uh, can grow closer to you, to find a safe place to do that, to find community, to cheer them on, to pick them up when they fail, to answer questions. God, that we can continue to be the church that helps people along their own faith journey. And God, ultimately, thank you that you love us so much that you actually want us to be close to you. You want us to be like you. You want us to experience you. God, we thank you and love you and pray this in your name. Amen.